0: You're listening to Seventeen Karat K-Pop, the podcast that's a little bit of everything with a K-pop twist. From pop culture critiques, to the history of K-pop, to interviews with people in the K-pop industry and K-pop artists themselves, to concert and album reviews, to a deep dive into the discographies of different K-pop artists, to K-pop news updates, to stories about the music industry more broadly, this show tries to cover everything about K-pop and K-pop as it applies to the larger music and concert scenes. Visit 17 Com for more information about the show. That's 1-7-C-A-R-A-T-K-P-O-P dot W-E-E-B-L-Y dot C-O-M. Hi everybody and welcome back to 17 Karat K-pop. Very excited for today's episode, as I always am when it's time for NCT talk. And in the latest volume we have to recap Love Hulk, the brand new album, as well as just personally my experience being an N Citizen that I want to get into more personally. But before I do I want to connect the Shiny comeback promo pictures and images to symbols and themes that I've noticed in NCT's work as of late. Without further ado, let's talk about Shiny and then we will get more specifically to NCT127's new work. There are two main themes that merge together to define the aesthetic of this Shiny comeback, given the promo pictures and videos so far retrofuturism and intergalactic elements. Concepts of outer space, aliens, spaceships, etc. Let's start by talking about the retrofuturism aspect. Retrofuturism is this concept that it didn't really have a name before the 80s, but it was definitely around before then, especially during like the golden age of comic books, the 30s, 40s, and 50s. It was definitely a heavily used style for those comics and other forms of art, but it officially got a name in the 80s. Fun fact that seems irrelevant, but is... Funny and seems more relevant just because of the context since we're talking about a boy band here. The term boy band actually didn't exist until the 80s really. It became mainstreamed then, even though of course we know boy bands existed before the 80s. Retrofuturism is basically what it sounds like. It is looking back on the past, on what's retro, and looking toward the future and fantasizing about what looks futuristic. I think the cartoon show The Jetsons is a pretty good summary of retrofuturism where you invoke maybe an old-school aesthetic like the cartoon The Jetsons, but you also pair it with predictions for what you see about the future, like hoverboards and things that were viewed as totally that's what's going to exist in the future. It's ultimately about taking old trends and adding new twists. It usually starts by trying to gain inspiration for architecture or art or a movie, script, or whatever. Trying to take inspiration from the past and then adding some details that have to do with fantasizing about the future or vice versa. Starts with thinking about the future and then you invoke elements of the past. If you are, in general, a pop music stan and a Dua Lipa super fan, I'm sure that throughout this conversation already, you're thinking about Future Nostalgia, her second album, which definitely lives up to this definition of retrofuturism in some ways, where it's all about having that retro disco vibe for her, but she mixes it with modern twists to the sound, to the lyrics, all of that. So it's supposed to make you feel nostalgic when you listen to it, but it's also still relatable. This was a very popular thing to do, to think about what would be different in a future world. In the 40s and 50s, that was something people really daydreamed about, especially after two world wars. They wanted to envision a brighter future to live in. And then, of course, there was, like I said, the golden age of comics, which definitely leaned into those concepts of retrofuturism. Then there was an even greater passion for visualizing the future and invoking the past at the same time, still in the 70s, when there were all these inventions happening. The use of personal computers and test tube babies. Starting in the 70s, the following decades would lead to so many scientific and technological innovations, and that led people to feel like they had permission to dream bigger and bigger, and therefore they would predict an even brighter and brighter, more implausible on top of implausible future for themselves. Then there are the images of UFOs, references, allusions to aliens, and that whole element of these shiny promo pictures and videos and all of that. Those we're going to talk about more later on in this episode because of the connections to NCT's work that I see. And also stay tuned because congrats you're finding out the theme of How to Stand early this week. On Sunday my next How to Stand episode is going to look at UFO culture and the fandom surrounding mysteries of Area 51 and things like that, other life forms, those who claim they've been abducted by aliens, everyone who's really swept up in that belief system surrounding alien species and alien encounters and how they alter human memories. I've done quite a deep dive into those communities for that episode, so stay tuned for a lot of interesting insights on that episode where we will kind of pick off right where this leaves off. You'll see. But for now, let's recap my NCT music video theories that tie into greater SM Entertainment music video universe theories because remember, the SM Entertainment artists, their music video universes are all connected. They're like different planets in the same music video universe in a sense. If anything I talk about today feels a little just unclear about what I'm really getting at, Maybe it will help to refresh your memory about my more fleshed-out theories, which I dive into in episodes like the SM Entertainment Universe, that's what it's called, Uh, every episode of NCT Talk and other NCT-themed episodes. On my site, if you hit a drop-down menu, you'll see it. I think it's the same drop-down menu as if you're looking for specific episodes in a specific category, but it will also feature a place to find playlists where I compiled episodes with similar themes, and then you can find the link to a Spotify playlist of every NCT Tuck episode, which will includes the SM Entertainment one more broadly. So catch up there, or just wherever you listen to the show, find those episodes. Quick overview of those theories I addressed in that episode. It all started with firetruck. NCT 127's firetruck video is such a pivotal moment for my music video theories, for the timeline I've pieced together, for the plot for the symbolism, it all starts with fire truck. Setting that scene is when the n c t one two seven members encounter this girl. She's in this house that looks so stereotypically stereotypically very fifties house, I guess you would say, and very staged like fake looking grass that's way too bright and green, and a white picket fence, literally the sandbox in the backyard it's just the definition of like a classic what you'd expect from a classic household and it's got a really ugly wooden furniture filled kitchen with bare walls and it's just very very classic and the girl is making sandcastles in her backyard when the nct members show up wreck the castle and basically wreck havoc on her childhood and then the video chronicles her life story and at every stage of life these guys show up and mess things up basically and they, they have a party in the office when she's a grown woman working there. Before that, she was walking down the hall in high school, and they mess up that room. She's then a mom, and she's sitting at that kitchen table with her own kid and husband, presumably, and they wreck havoc in there, too, and they just bring all of this energy and chaos into the into what seems like the most mundane way to live. Then the video ends where you see she's an old woman and she's sitting by the window reflecting as she gazes at the sandbox that's in the backyard still. So things look like no one ever destroyed them. They're back to quote-unquote normal, as if the cycle is about to start again with her grandkids. Second part of this theory has to do with the realms of being that I discussed in a previous episode. There are five different realms of existence that I think SM Entertainment artists like to play with and make their characters travel between in a way. So those five realms of being, levels of existence being explored through their work. Different planets, different states of mind, different levels of a soul's existence like heaven or hell, different levels of realness versus what's staged, and different dimensions of being like 2D, 3D, 4D. I deduce that Red Velvet's world is definitely part of the different planets category, which has to do with size differences. Red Velvet members are like a shrunken group of people living in a tiny little world that is smaller than the big world controlled by some of the other groups. The different levels of a soul's existence, that's a concept that V deals with, and they, those members seem to be stuck in hell, but heaven may be in a future video of theirs. Different levels of consciousness is definitely something that NCT deals with, a dream within a dream within a dream type of concept. And then the different dimensions of being, 2D, 3D, 4D, that is something that Espa plays with. My other main theories that I will summarize quicker about this world, one, it has to do with dream within a dream within a dream, these complex, complex layers that blur the lines between illusions and reality consistently to lead to just this warped, confused mental state of what's real and what's a dream, what's kind of half and half, what does that even mean? Then there's, of course, heaven and hell symbolism involved, as well as the law of attraction. Long story short, it is basically a way to make social commentary about how what surrounds us mirrors us and what mirrors us surrounds us and how we are society and society is us. We are those who we criticize and those who we criticize become us. It just deals with the feedback loops of life with an, an analogy to a time loop, which the fire trick video does a good job of hinting at. And then more broadly, The superpowers that different characters have in these certain groups in Super M, NCT, EXO, these are all the superpowers that listeners and viewers are meant to feel like we have, just in different forms and different contexts. So we all have a place to shine, just maybe pick one of the other little worlds among the many worlds. And we just need to figure out how to become aware of our inner powers and take them from subconscious to conscious. Put a pin in all of the theories that I just summarized because we're going to revisit those in a minute. Now let's detour for a second and talk about the parallels because there are a lot of symbols that I've caught so far in these shiny promo images and videos that parallel the content from NCT promo images and videos, especially the Resonance Part 2 era stuff. Onu is seen driving this car, and the hand that's on the wheel has this giant gold diamond ring on it. And then through the back car window, you can see some alien spaceships. There's another image where Onu is standing in front of purple mountains, and there are clouds of purple smoke around him. And then in a different video, he is seen at this fancy dining table that a crow is swooping down towards. And then there's a telephone booth, a a silver metal rickety old thing in the background. Key is seen in the grass on this fake bright green looking grass with roses behind him in the bushes and a white picket fence with the top row on fire, so there are flames lining the top of the fence. In a different teaser image, the members are all dressed up at this fancy dinner table in the yard, and then in a different image, they're in the yard standing there staring up at a bright beam of light, presumably from a spaceship that is shining down on them. Tayman in a different image is seen pulling the silver metal rolling luggage with him. In a teaser video, they have this voicemail that says, quote, "In this area, some of my beliefs become a fantasy, and some of my fantasies become my beliefs." Unquote. Minho is seen driving around with a crash dummy in the back seat. And lastly, Taimin tries to climb through the window in one teaser image and Key looks like he's trying to stop him like, "No, don't go in there. There's something in there you don't want to see." Now, for some NCT content that is worth noting now. Chunla, Mark, and Tail have this one promo image where they're in what is a totally, probably the most common recurring symbol in NCT content, which is that big silver metal time machine slash elevator thing. And they had a whole series of promo images in that phone booth time machine type of thing while they were in there they were at this fancy dining table they were seated by with a chandelier above them and that chandelier comes up in other nct videos as well as well as other symbols of riches and wealth that's what the whole regular era was about for them and Winwin ate that small diamond in that video flames are also a recurring symbol for them as well as smoke particularly colorful smoke. In Superhuman and a few other NCT videos, we have a symbol, sort of like a crash dummy, some sort of outline of a human figure, but it's more like a robot or something, not human. constantly shows up. NCT leans heavily into the thought of a dream within a dream within a dream about what you're seeing is not necessarily believing. Beliefs are being warped by misguided memories and things like that, sort of like the voice message. That was sent to the shiny members. They also have rose petal symbolism a lot, like especially with Ten, whose solo song is called "Dream in a Dream." In that video, we have read rose petals falling down. Hey Chan in regular, and we go up. Lucas in boss, and Taeon in superhuman. Those are all music video moments where a member stops to stare up at the sky for at what we don't know. But it reminded me of all the all the shiny members stopping to stare up at the sky. And realizing there's a UFO up there. There are probably even more connections that I didn't catch, but those are the big ones the flames, crash dummy that's there, the yard with the picket fence. It seems like all these NCT symbols are now combining into this new Shiny comeback. Now let's go back to talking about those outer space references because those tie very nicely together all of these seemingly irrelevant symbols with the other theories we already talked about. Shiny is now referencing spaceships and aliens and the like. And those things have been referenced overtly and sometimes more subtly in NCT's content plenty of times before. There was Wavy's moonwalk comeback. There was the dream launch video where the Wavy members, in the best plot twist ever, got onto the roof and they looked out and realized they couldn't be on Earth because they were looking at Earth from wherever they were. Rocket ships repeatedly show up. A telescope was a part of the resonance era promo images. There are lots of moments in NCT videos where a member is suspended in the air, like they're defying gravity. I think the fact that each NCT subunit seems to literally plant their flag, it just is possibly intentionally making me think of the men walking on the moon and leaving a flag there. Now let's look at some pop culture references to aliens in outer space that seem relevant here. In 1962, a comic came out called There Are Martians Among Us which was heavily inspired by the aesthetics of retrofuturism. The plot twist in that comic is that this husband and wife try everything they can to avoid the alien invasion and then they end up realizing they've been the aliens the whole time. Then there's the movie Alien and that movie features this space crew that gets awakened halfway home while they're they're traveling back home from their mission and they're halfway there when suddenly this alien stress signal, a distress signal of some kind, interrupts that trip. So they turn around to find that sound. When they reach the vessel with aliens, they encounter this nest of eggs. One of the aliens in one of the eggs jumps out and starts clinging to a crew member, leaving that member unconscious. That person falls into a coma. In that movie, they do travel to the moon at one point and spend a lot of time trying to capture this creature that left one of their own in a coma and they use these tracking devices to do so. I promise this will all make sense in a second. Then there is the 2001 movie, A Space Odyssey, and in that movie, the main characters are basically trying to investigate this radio signal that reached a monolith from Jupiter, and the monolith is like this big, tall, silver structure that shows up out of nowhere, that type of monolith, that is getting signals from an alien, some other life form is trying to contact them. So here is my thought. what if, we've talked a lot before about how Tamin is like the evil genius controlling the shots, he's the master manipulator in the SM Entertainment Universe, he's running the movie projector and all of this, he's playing with their psyches. What if he is basically like the people trying to use their tracking devices to find the aliens, and he's trying to find the alien, then he has that plot twist moment like in the comic where he thinks and realizes he was the alien all along or someone else was, that he he was taking the wrong lead here. Taman is definitely calling the shots in some way, shape, or form, and so my theory is not entirely impossible here. But there are also a lot of parallels if you think about those movies and the comics. Clones referenced a lot and sometimes represented by crash dummies, where they are looking at something that, to them, kind of mirrors themselves, and they are trying to figure out who's who, and they are trying to decide... Who is not like the others then there's the concept in those movies about consciousness versus unconsciousness and the fact that that is something dealt with although in a different way but still in nct's world there's of course the moon travel and what if this metal phone booth slash time machine slash elevator is like a stand-in for a silver monolith and the signals in this case are striking the monolith which is also their time machine in a way. So the time travel is basically happening thanks to something from another world. I know it sounds crazy and you're probably saying, well, Hope, it's all kind of a weird coincidence. I mean, different stories can reference outer space and can reference maybe other life or levels of consciousness, et cetera. Those are broad concepts. How do you directly draw a line to these specific movies? Well, remember in the dream launch video, There are two key movie posters on the wall, one on the door and one next to it on the wall. Alien and a Space Odyssey. The dream within a dream concept, we also have like a movie within a movie. They're like breaking the fourth wall, only at a new level. They are like self-aware that they're in a dimension that they also know about that's fake, but to them it's real, and real is fake, fake is real, up is down, down is up they are not in our dimension. They are in the seventh dimension, the seventh sense. It's just they are, they are in this whole other universe. If this was drawn kind of like a diagram with just circles, the innermost circle would definitely be where Red Velvet members reside in their story. They're just little characters in this shrunken down world that can be held in the palm of the hand of a lot of other SM Entertainment artists who would be in the bigger circle. And then bigger than that would probably be NCT overall controlling the shots because they dabble between dimensions in their work. And then another big circle over that would be Taman, encompassing all of them and being the master puppeteer. Maybe then there's actually another outermost circle even more so. And that is other forms of life controlling Taman or controlling the others. Maybe there's some intergalactic component here, I don't know. It could just be another reference to this being a movie within a movie. The members are kind of bringing their own movies to life in a way. It's possible that the alien slash UFO references for NCT or for Shiny are really just meant to be a stand-in for the concept of alien as an adjective, something that feels foreign to you that ends up being yourself. Maybe you end up realizing you didn't truly know yourself or you felt like this outsider. Maybe there's something there instead. But either way, it just seems like a very key, interesting development, given that framework I laid out earlier, different worlds and layered universes we're talking about, and then adding UFOs and space travel to that picture really even widens it further. So if you're wondering what comes next, I have a feeling that Shiny will lean into that Space Odyssey type of imagery, mixed with the retrofuturism, do keep in mind the impact and intent of the use of retrofuturism aesthetics here. Retrofuturism is rediscovering the past and envisioning the future. And isn't that what the SM Entertainment storyline is all about? That time loop, dreaming about the future and having those sci-fi elements, cloning the levitating and other superpowers. And I mean, levitating and stuff's not really science fiction, but you know what I mean. Thinking about the possibilities of a future that is still up in the air, all of the possible ramifications of time travel are something that's really explored a lot in this work, hence how accurate and fitting it is that they are referencing the fire trick video again which starts the time loop. That fake grass white picket fence staged look at some perfect dream life or dream house or whatever you want to call it, that is it just seems so pivotal and significant that the shiny members are now back in that setting where NCT 127's action took off. This fence is on fire, that image is disappearing before their eyes, they see it for the facade that it is. It may be more abstract, but I think the reference to aliens and spaceships is going to play out with Shiny and NCT's comebacks coming forward, seeing the veil pulled off their face, seeing their eyes truly open to this new dimension. Again, maybe it'll be very literal, maybe it'll be more abstract, but they will be opening their eyes to something and realizing more than ever what is true and what's not, and they will continue that process of distinguishing or struggling to distinguish real from illusion, memories that are false versus true memories. And aliens are an interesting tool to do that because people who allege they have been abducted by aliens always reference being hazy on details because their memory was wiped out by the aliens. So maybe that's something we'll see happen where the members, the reason they're so confused what's staged versus what's real for them, what's just an act, etc. is because of someone who erased part of their memory. Maybe Taman's that person, maybe because he's an alien, maybe not, but there's just a lot to explore here and so I'm curious where it goes next. That is just my theory in the abstract. I'm intentionally leaving it pretty open to interpretation because it's just a way that I look at their story. I view my... Uh, SM Entertainment Theories, again, as more frameworks than theories, as ways to look at this and what the deeper meaning of their storytelling is, why all these universes are connected, how the different members of the different groups are teaching each other something, are opening each other's eyes to new worlds and new dimensions, or wrecking havoc in each other's dimensions and messing up the space-time continuum. But ultimately, I just think it's very noteworthy that now we're back to the end of the time loop, which is of course then the beginning again. This is the start of a new era in every sense of the word. Tying this all together is the fact that NCT is in the seventh dimension. They're using the seventh sense to open up new worlds. And this is Shiny's seventh album with the number seven playing a key role in the title track because Don't Call Me is written with a little seven in place of the apostrophe. They're normalizing certain symbols more and more that we saw in NCT's work as well. The diamond, the phone booth, the dining table, the metal things like rolling luggage and stuff. The crash dummies or those little robot people, whoever they are. The existence of that kind of stuff in the story is becoming just like expected at this point. But at the same time, now we have new symbols introduced like the crow swooping down. So that is what they're trying to get at is their nodding back to old themes and bringing them back, while at the same time this comeback is introducing new symbols so that you'll never get tired of the story and the story is always ongoing and being added to, which is what retrofuturism is ultimately all about. And it's also noteworthy that retrofuturism plays a big role in comic book inspiration and comic books are about 2D characters and, like I said, one of these realms of existence we're talking about here are 2D versus 3D, 4D, etc characters in them finding ways to blur the lines between those dimensions together. Shiny is doing a great job with this comeback, tying everything together, reassuring viewers that they're onto something, giving symbols enough of a presence in their work that nods to NCT's work to keep people like me guessing and theorizing over it, but still leaving a lot unclarified, which is a lot of what concepts like what retrofuturism are. They're all about supposing. What if this was the future? What if this meant this? What if this meant that? And so they're letting fans kind of run wild and they just provide the writing prompts essentially to us. Just when you think you've closed the loop on any of their theories or you think we've reached the end of the road with a storyline, they don't just enter a new plot twist or a new symbol They also then add a whole new dimension here, this limitless potential, and you can interpret that any way you want, the term limitless there. You think you've understood where each SM Entertainment artist exists on the five realms of being? Now we're going to add a sixth and a seventh, and now we're going to add a whole outer space world and aliens, and new universes are constantly being built to keep the story going. Although I still have a lot of questions, I have enough validation it seems of where I'm headed with this thinking, oh this is just a movie within a dream, within a movie, that kind of thing. I have enough validation that those I'm onto something to keep thinking about them. My main theories overall that I have been going over are this is all about blurring the lines between illusion and reality, those layers of experiences and dimensions and memory, the concept of a time loop and all the ethical considerations that come with it. The law of attraction, social commentary through that lens, as well as the thought of embrace your own superpower, find the environment where your own power can shine, and all of those meanings have some nods, however vague or however direct, in this work, and that is ultimately the point. So I see this new comeback as being just another chapter in the story, while also being the end of a book. So if this is a book series, this chapter is basically the last chapter in book one or book two, but it's it's the end of a book, but not the end of the whole series. All right, theorizing over now, let's just have some more light fun and talk about this new NCT album. I'm going to start with my most objective review, and then I will slowly get into the more and more subjective reaction to NCT 127's new album, Loveholic. I honestly think this is a really, really well done album. They're all very distinct songs but they also are cohesive together and there's just no skip on the album, none of it is boring. It's really well produced, it's got a lot of layers to it like their music always does. It's just another great classic pop album from them. It also does what NCT does so well in terms of the duality and that's what the NCT 127 subunit does particularly well. Is they don't just lean into one of the extremes of bad boy or super wholesome boy. It's it's a blend, and this album does that really well. I think particularly for Jaehyun and Taehyung, it's like they're unleashing their inner beast in a way. They're just their stage presence you can hear just through their vocals on this album. With Jaehyun, when in the Kick It video, he's just like standing there staring. You know what I mean. If you know, you know. It's like, it's that Jaehyun. It's not any Jaehyun. It's that one unleashed on this album, and we love to see it. The video for the single off of it, Gimme Gimme, is really incredible, too. That is probably a more subjective opinion and not just objective, but I would say, as always, they're mesmerizing to watch choreography-wise, outfit-wise. It's all just top of their game always. It's like they mixed the suits from the regular and office era concept to uh, mix that with the punch era leather and edgy looks, and so the styling is just at the top of its game. I would also like to note the fact that there's some security cameras in that video, and that definitely I added to my (laughs) book of theories about how maybe one of the members, Taman, or some other SM Entertainment group member who's controlling the shots here is spying on other members in another level of the universe. And so anyway, those security cameras and other potential signs of spying or someone, some master puppeteer at work, those continue to show up in that little nod in this video, which I appreciated. So on the spectrum from my most objective to least objective review, we are now entering the middle, closer to... My most personal recap. It's unique because their sound is a very interesting mix, and it's not just your stereotypical bubblegum pop sound or your stereotypical pop rock sound or any other stereotype you can think of. It blends so many different things together in every way. So it's not just a mix of those playful and more mature lyrics, it's not just the mix of unexpected back-to-back instrumentals and sound effects and things like that, it's not just the unexpected ad-libs plus the predictable storylines or whatever it is, it is such a mix that you can't pull out one element, it's like a Jenga tower of a song, every song they make, and you can't, maybe that's not the best analogy, but it's very hard to untangle and that's what's so impressive is that they create these cohesive songs that don't sound disjointed but that combines so many elements that shouldn't sound good together but totally do and on top of all that, they find a way to get their own solos on the song as well as sing in harmony on the choruses, and usually there's a special high note during the bridge or a rap. They manage to mix so much in every track and yet make cohesive albums, so in general, just their production and their work is so impressive, their whole body of work, and I think what particularly helps emphasize that is the chain era as well as this era. I think the epitome of what makes their sound unique, I I think I've referenced this analogy before, but it's sort of like if you took an electronic keyboard and like a soundboard with a lot of sound effects and you put them on top of each other and pushed both down the stairs and just let let all the buttons light up and let a bunch of sound effects happen. That's basically what they do and that's their music. Such a hodgepodge, yet it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like it flowed together really well. Now onto my more personal, totally subjective review of why I love this album. As I've talked about on the episode of the show called Autism in K-Pop, as well as on my blog, but quick recap, and keep in mind when I do give this recap that I'm just talking about my personal experiences and how I listen to music and feel it differently than neurotypical people. I'm just talking for myself because every autistic person is so unique and different, and so I'm not saying at all that all autistics would react this way to music, but this is my experience. Everyone has their own effects of being autistic and for me it has to do with a lot of focus on the five senses and how those i have a lot of sensory issues so that's what i'm going to focus on today i think a good analogy is people walking into work and they all have to clock in at the same time and these people work in your brain so let's say you're a neurotypical person and in your brain one worker in charge of controlling smell one worker in charge of controlling taste, whatever. It's the five senses, and they each have to clock in at the same time, but also a little bit apart from each other, right? That's just physics, and they each clock in, so you have your sense registers a nanosecond later, your smell registers, etc. That's how it is, where if you walk into an environment that's very stimulating with noise and crowds and whatever, and it activates multiple senses at once, You'll get that same feeling of registering all those senses at once, but it'll be a a few nanoseconds apart from each other, so it's a little more manageable. And then when everyone clocks in, they can get right to work. Go to their desks and do whatever people in this analogy would do in your brain in the office there. But for me, in my brain, when people are ready to clock in for work, they are every man for himself, mad dash to be the first to clock in, and there's no set order for who clocks in when, so they all just try to clock in at once, and then they're all pushed up against the doorway. They can't clock in because they're all trying to jam each other's paper through whatever they used to clock in, whatever. They are just a mess, and so. They finally all push their way through the doorway and find a way to each clock in without, you know, harassing each other further. Then they're tired and they're like, oh my gosh, that was weird and exhausting. Now what do I do? And they're scrambling. They don't know how to just go about the day and just pick up right where they left off work the other day because they're discombobulated after that episode. That's kind of what it's like because in my brain, I don't have those nanoseconds apart of registering different senses. So the smell, the noise the feelings, all of that would hit me at one exact moment without any time to register what just happened. And so I'm metaphorically blown back on my feet a lot easier than others, and it only takes a few senses to do that. Whereas for another person, maybe if they're more organized, those little office workers in this analogy could find a way eventually to compromise and say, after you. But for me, even if just two people are trying to shove their way past each other, that's too much to deal with here. It's a smaller door or whatever. So let's say, going further with this analogy, you are in these little people that got through the doorway, they clocked in to work, they are in this office setting, and now the music starts playing because it's an office that lets you play music over the loudspeaker. And so they are just... Rocking out to music in the zone, it helps motivate them, helps you get to work. For the people in the office building in my brain, they don't have that ability to just focus with just music on. It's not working for them because if you're so discombobulated, it's a lot harder to get back into the mindset of, all right, brush that off, what's done is done now, time to get back to work. You're still recovering from whatever you just witnessed or experienced that felt overstimulating, overwhelming. Plus, in this analogy, these workers are at each other's throats a lot and they don't get along. They're always fighting for to be the sense that is overwhelming you at the moment and they just all try to do that, which ironically leads to them all succeeding at overwhelming you at once. So it's a lot of chaos in my brain some days, depending on where I am, and I get very easily overwhelmed. If I'm in somewhere that's noisy or crowded or or has a strong scent in it, any of those senses being activated can be a bit much for me. It's mentally exhausting, but... When certain music plays that is extra engaging, those office workers actually can focus. They need a very specific, they need specific music that really grabs their attention to get back to work. If you just play some lo fi melancholy music, they'll still be like annoyed and at each other's throats and can't get to work. But if you put on super really interesting and just in mentally engaging music, it triggers this response. And so then suddenly, all those office workers are at rapt attention to the music when it is is good stimulating music. And then they don't, not only love watching it, but they wanna see the people on other floors of this office building. They're like, you've gotta check out this music, it's great and then they can work even in tandem. So you've got now the people in this brain in charge of like physical movements like rocking back and forth or dancing or whatever that join Five Senses office building and now they're all just working in tandem, they're working in sync, it's a kumbaya moment. My coping strategies for life that gets overwhelming easily are very intrinsically tied to listening to my favorite music because then I get this release when I can just rock back and forth or when I can just dance or when I can just focus on music and feel like suddenly all of those uncooperative people in my brain or whatever are finally getting along and calming down and recovering from whatever. So it's an ultimate coping mechanism when I find great music and this is a very long way to explain how NCT's music really is next level to me in a very personal way. So I must admit there is a bit of subjectivity in terms of how I think and why I think Chain and those types of comebacks are the best ones for NCT because those songs in particular just go off for me. Taeyeon's rap in Chain and then Taeyeon's high note and I mean all these little details in that song in particular are just so next level for me. It is a release. It is a therapeutic release for me, songs like that. And with this new album, those songs do the same thing for me. They're just very captivating for me. And they're also just really fun, feel-good songs for anyone of any neurotypical or neuroatypical position. Like First Love, that was a great single to, to release early in advance of the full EP because it really just embodies this really fun, youthful energy, and it's very just fun and inviting and made me excited for the full album even more than usual. Lyrics about worrying about what to wear and just tapping your heels as you feel like you're in love as you walk down the street and feeling like you're in this never-ending love story. It's just a very cute song. Then there are other cute songs that are just classic NCT in that they're so weird only NCT can pull them off and make them sound funny and not just like dorky or something like chicka boom boom where they say you know be aggressive and those moments so nct of them very simon says era esque and then my favorite lyric is probably when they somehow manage to make it rhyme when they say eeny meeny miny Mo, everybody's beautiful that is so nct and i love it right now is the last song on the album and it has this interesting effect where it starts out at the very very beginning you're like This is just going to be like their more thought-provoking, wistful song on the album. But then suddenly it becomes more fun and playful and you have this sound effect sort of like a powering down video game system or a powering down computer and that kicks off the rest of the song so it's a very fun unexpected twist filled song and it's just another example of how they're doing classic boy band themes in their songs but also in a very very different unprecedented way which is why i've gotten this unprecedented positive reaction from listening to their music music has always been my ultimate escape from a world that is not equipped for and adaptive to my specific needs and so I have to find my own ways to cope. And so I found that through things like music, especially with videos that capture my attention, because typically my mind is so busy and those senses in my head are playing tug of war all the time and just being annoying to each other. They're like little kids yelling at each other. And so typically that means to get them to all calm down is really hard. To get them to like settle down and just grab a juice box and watch their cartoons or whatever, you have to really find an engaging show for them to watch. I'm mixing metaphors here, but anyway. Any TV or movie or other distraction won't cut it. It has to be next level. And that next level mesmerizing thing, for me, is this: these NCT content when it comes to their music videos, the color schemes in them, the plots, the symbolism, the theorizing I can do over them. I found ways to take my unique autistic traits like being laser focused on certain topics and going on and on about them like this and uh, getting a physical reaction to music that is very abnormally positive. All of those quirky things about me, I guess you could say, are highlighted in a good light and supported in a good way by NCT's work and their music videos. Basically what I'm trying to say is that their videos and music are actually getting my mind to focus and if all of my senses can cooperate and enjoy some entertainment without feeling distracted or one of them nagging the other, it's actually very rare and very much appreciated. So this album helped bring that home for me about why I get so excited for their new releases, why I appreciate their work so much, why I go on and on about them, Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode and to my story. I really do appreciate it. Sometimes I feel like I'm just kind of speaking into a void, but I know the numbers. I know that's not the case. And so thank you all for listening. And headline roundup episode is coming in the next few days. And then I'll be back to a regularly a regular release schedule next week. So thank you all for listening. And I will talk to you all very soon.